Worldwide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat are here with you once again with another edition of the post-game show as the Canucks, they tried, J-Pat. They tried to hold on to that 23rd spot, but they got a point, so they're still there technically, but now tied to the St. Louis Blues in a 6-5 overtime loss in St. Louis. Yeah, equal opportunists. They both leave the building with 74 points now because St. Louis came into the night uh, a single point behind the Vancouver Canucks. And history repeated itself uh, a fair bit in this one in that the Canucks were down in St. Louis in the last game in the third period, needed a late goal uh, with the goaltender on the bench for an extra attacker. Canucks did that again in this one. Uh, Game was settled in overtime the last time, but that was Elias Pettersson flying down the left wing. This time it was Jakob Verana. And uh, he ends it just 21 seconds into overtime. It was a game the Canucks were chasing almost all night long. They did open the scoring, but after that, uh, down 5-2 to two at one point late in the second period. And so earlier in the season, you would have praised this plucky team for not going quietly. Uh, this is a single point they get that they ultimately didn't need, but uh, put it on the pile. They're up to 74 on the season. They go 2-0-1 on the road trip. And if nothing else, they provided us lots to talk about because yeah. uh, lots of storylines in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll start with Andre Kuzmenko. Multi-goal game for him, his seventh of the season. And then Elias Pettersson. Now the streak is up to 13 games. Just two games behind uh, Todd Bertuzzi to tie the franchise record in terms of point streak. Yeah, the first goal, sort of classic Kuzmenko, if you can call it that, uh, not even at the end of his first season, but more blue paint for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, JT Miller slides that pass across the goal line, essentially, and there's Kuzmenko on the doorstep on the power play, late first period, tied the game at two. I didn't like the Canucks' first period. They gave up 17 shots, and I kind of thought, like, all right, they're tied at two on the road. At the end of a road trip, they'll take it. But giving up 17 shots, I could have thought Thatcher Demko was going to be in for a busy, busy night. As it turned out, that wasn't the case. Jordan Bennington faced more shots than Thatcher Demko, but didn't like the Canucks' first period, and they were perhaps fortunate to get out of it uh, in a two-all tie, and then the Blues turned up the heat there in the second period. But Kuzmenko's second goal, just past the midway mark of the third period, a thing of beauty. We talk about the chemistry that Pedersen and Kuzmenko have built this season that might be the best example they scored some pretty goals but the way that Pedersen moving away from Kuzmenko just knew exactly where he was going plays it into open space Tyler Myers with that center drive and Myers takes a couple of blues with him the pass onto the stick of Kuzmenko and no blue paint he actually scored from like 10 feet out uh it puts it in basically an empty net there and at that point you kind of thought like all right they've chipped away they've got it within one uh you know it wouldn't surprise me if they get it to overtime, and sure enough, that's what happens in the final minute of the third period. They get the goaltender off uh, the ice onto the bench for an extra attacker. Interesting that Filthy Giuseppe was the first extra attacker, and then there was a stoppage, and he got replaced, and Dakota Joshua, who started the night on that top line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko, uh, Dakota, Dakota Joshua out there uh, for what turned out to be the tying goal off the stick of Quinn Hughes. So, uh, yeah, again, an eventful night, lots happening both ends of the ice. Uh, but in the end, overtime was weird because Quinn Hughes wiped out, and I think maybe he thought he had lost an an edge on his blade, went straight off the ice. I mean, this guy had a two-minute shift in the final, basically two minutes of the third until they tied it, and he starts overtime with JT Miller and Brock Besser, and once he fell, kind of made a beeline to the bench, replaced by Tyler Myers, and that, I think, led to some miscommunication, and uh, Varane able to play give-and-go with Shen, and finish it off with his second of the night. So 
Uh, you know, the Canucks have been good in overtime this year. They've won seven games outright, including one in St. Louis. Uh, again, I think they've got uh, enough game breakers, but uh, it just takes one great A chance. And unfortunately, uh, without Quinn Hughes on the ice, they gave up that one chance and the Blues made them pay. Yeah, that chemistry that you saw between Kuzmenko and Petey, that's highlight real goal for them. You're going to be seeing that one for a while, yeah. especially when they recap the season. That one's going to be on there. But that also you know, just stresses the importance of, of keeping Kuzmenko in the fold here, right? Like what these two are developing right now is just unreal. Up to 37 goals now for Andre Kuzmenko on the season. He's tough. And 40. Come on. Of course he's going to get there. Uh, ridiculous first season for Kuzmenko. But you got to like the fight that you saw from the Canucks tonight. They didn't have it. They just they didn't have it early. And as the game sort of went on and on, I'm like, okay, no, the Blues are sort of letting them hang around a little bit here. And then the Canucks obviously uh, were able to get the, uh, the score evened all up. But when I look at these two teams, like there's a lot of similarities between the two in terms of sort of where they're at right now. Um, but they, you know, in terms of what they have for sort of top end talent, but they, you know, there's, there's definitely holes they need to fill. And one of those holes for the Canucks might be Dakota Joshua right now because, I mean, here we are talking about the guy again. He did not look out of place whatsoever on that top line. I saw you tweeting about him. I think it was after the second period or maybe even after the first. You had like a highlight reel in your tweet, basically, for Dakota Joshua. You got to like what you saw from 81 tonight. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't all great because uh, he ends up taking a penalty as well. But you want him to be physical. You want him to be involved. But yeah, if you go back to the first period, uh, in fact, uh, made a nice play on his very first shift, uh, yeah. steals the puck, gets it to Elias Pettersson into the slot, uh, and then gets in behind Robert Bertuzzo and draws the penalty. In fact, kind of thought for a second, maybe it'd be a penalty shot, but uh, it wasn't. It was a penalty, but that worked out okay because that led to the Canucks' power play goal that tied it in the final minute of the first. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there were things that happened for him. He took the flashing penalty that... Uh, he was in the box when the Blues scored their lone power play goal of the night, the Robert Thomas goal that made it 4-2 to two at that point. But again, it speaks to the confidence with which Joshua is playing, but also the trust and the confidence that's building with the head coach to be an extra attacker. Like Anthony Bovillier, you know, a week ago, that would have been his spot. Um, but Bovillier has kind of faded here a little bit, and certainly his uh, production has dropped off. Connor Garland has been a guy that's been put in that situation at times. And I guess Rick Tockett just wanted to go with the big body, so he went with PDG, and then when they had the stoppage, out came Dakota Joshua and ends up getting the second assist on Quinn Hughes' second goal of the night. So Joshua does find the score sheet, and uh, again, I mean, it was a nice road trip for him. Uh, scored the shorthanded goal in Dallas, had the big hit that led to the go-ahead goal in Chicago, and here, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just got to be a massive boost for this guy to to know that the coach trusts them in that situation and that the Canucks were able to uh, make it pay and, and tie the game at five. Yeah. Just like the puck retrieval, he was going after it. He's, you know, he's getting giveaways or getting takeaways. Like I thought Dakota Joshua looked really good there. And I, and I get the feeling that he's going to get an extended audition here uh, on that top line. Um, really liked what I saw from, I mean, not necessarily like his game tonight, but I like what you see from Kyle Burroughs in terms of the way that he sticks up for his teammates. Uh, Ethan Bear took a, a strange hit from uh, neighbors there and what probably should have been a penalty referee standing right in front of yeah. him. And then Kyle Burroughs coming in. I mean, this is the guy that you need these sort of guys on your team right now. I know they're few and far between in the NHL, but Kyle Burroughs, you know, going in there, stuck sticking up for his teammates. And again, like this part of the year right now, you know, everybody's trying to, you know, just keep, stay in this league and for next season, right? And Kyle Burroughs doing those kind of things that you know Rick Tockett is noticing. Without a doubt. 
And his seventh scrap that leads this hockey club, it was the 30th fight the Canucks have had this season. Uh, the fight rate has dropped under Tockett compared to Bruce Boudreau, which is strange when you think of uh, the way Rick Tockett played the game. But uh, they play hard for Rick Tockett, but the gloves have stayed on for the most part. But uh, three of the last five scraps the Canucks have been involved in, Kyle Burroughs has been the combatant. So since they traded Luke Shen, the Canucks don't have a ton of muscle. Like Dakota Joshua has a big body, but as we said, I think he's trying to develop the, you know, the, the playing side of the game. I, I don't want him to shy away. And if trouble comes looking for him, I think he has to be willing to play that role. Kyle Burroughs certainly is. Uh, and you're right. The hit on Bear and Bear's sort of on the ground looking up at the referee, and the referee's like, nah, play on. And uh, as puck, the puck went up ice, Kyle Burroughs had other ideas. And man, he and Jake Neighbors didn't hold back. Like, that, was yeah. a, that was a tasty scrap. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things on Burroughs. He's an unrestricted free agent. We have seen other depth guys get contracts here of late. Uh, I am curious where this is going to go. We always talk about a premium on a right shot defenseman in the National Hockey League. There's a shortage, teams value them, they covet them. He's a local guy. He hasn't been an every night player. In fact, he's dressed for, I think it's 38 of the 73 games that they've played. So he's barely played half the games for the Vancouver Canucks this year. I wonder if he would seek an opportunity elsewhere to play a little bit more or, you know, does he like this role? Is he willing to be a depth guy? Would he be a depth guy next year? Like, we don't know about Ethan Bear. Ethan Bear needs a contract, but they bring in Philip Ronick. Uh, we don't know about Tyler Myers and his future. So the right side, I mean, there certainly are a bunch of questions. The thing about toughness is it has to be in the lineup to have an impact, right? Like, if if he's not playing, it's great that he sticks up for teammates, but if he's a healthy scratch, then he doesn't have that opportunity. He can't come to the, the rescue and the aid of teammates. So... You know, what is his future, I guess, is a fair question to ask. How much does this management group value him? I'm ass I assume Rick Tockett has nothing but respect for the role that he plays. But ultimately, to be in the National Hockey League, you have to be able to play the game. And the underlying numbers on the season, they're all right. I mean, there's certainly room for improvement, but you can say that about a lot of guys. It's weird. The Canucks have been outscored by, I think, 9 or 10 at even strength with Kyle Burroughs on the ice. So that's the one metric that yeah. doesn't necessarily measure up. But yeah, I mean, talk about a guy that just gives you everything he can. In fact, I, I think I could sit here and make a case that he should be in the discussion for unsung hero as we work our way to the end of the season and the Canucks hand out their year-end awards. I know on social media, there's sort of this idea that, oh, it's Dakota Joshua's award. I, I feel like Dakota Joshua is talked about an awful lot in this market. So I don't know how unsung Dakota Joshua, he was at the outset of the season, but people have latched on to his story. Now he may end up being the unsung hero, but you know, I, I think I could probably make a case for a guy like Sheldon Dries, who wasn't supposed to play a lot of games and now into double digits and goals. I think Colin Delia, yes. nobody really expected that he was going to play at the NHL level. And you know, he's, done a nice job for the Vancouver Canucks when uh, called upon. So, you know, I, I don't know how this will go. It's a fan vote, and we'll see how it all plays out here at the end of the season. But certainly when you talk about guys that are just like solid team guys, uh, understand their role, play it, absolutely. Kyle Burroughs fits all of that, like that describes him to a T. I am interested because I just don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what my gut's telling me about, you know, where this is going to go for him with the Vancouver Canucks for next season.
Yeah, versatility as well, right? Uh, considering that he can play both sides. So, yep. but maybe you're right. You know, maybe he does look to you know elsewhere to try to get some more minutes uh, next year. But yeah, with the with the contracts are going around right now, Kyle Burroughs is probably like that uh, John Travolta meme, sort of looking around like, <laughs> where, where's mine right now? Uh, Thatcher Demko didn't have his best night, Oof, but no. uh, I did like him in the third period, J Pat. And I, I mean, listen, they can probably hang that point on the back of him. Uh, considering the save he made off Busnevich early in the third, maybe his best of the game. And then there was one late that Letty pinched in yep. and a beauty pad save there from Demko. So those two saves there, I circled as, you know, may, I don't want to say, you know, game savers because they ended up losing the game, but maybe point savers, if you will. Yeah. And I would certainly add in Kasperi Kapanen in the slot. The puck came to him and he just, he stared Kapanen down. Like that was a, and it was five to three at that point. That was a glorious opportunity. Uh, if you go back into the second period at five to two, Jordan Cairo, who's the Blues leading goal scorer, held on to the puck on a two on one. Like that's the guy the Blues would want in that situation. And Demko made a save there. So he did make some stops. There's no question about it. And you're right. The game probably doesn't get to overtime unless he makes the saves that you referenced. And yet in saying all of that, uh, and he's been so good and so dialed in since his return from injury, uh, he and the team give up five. They end up giving up six, but they give up five. For the first time since the Canucks lost at home to the New York Rangers in Arthur Silov's debut, that was February 15th, and here we are uh, oh. almost to the end of yeah. March. So it's been six weeks since they've given up five. They end up giving up six, and I had to look this up as well. The last time, the only other time Thatcher Demko has been beaten for six goals this season was game number three out of the gate in Washington. They had the lead back when they had all those leads early on. And the Capitals scored four in the third period, ended up scoring six and winning it six to four. So it's been a while since Thatcher Demko has been beaten for that many goals. And, you know, I look at the goals. I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of, I mean, this looked an awful lot, certainly through 40 minutes. This looked an awful lot like early season Canuck hockey. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, I don't even, like the goals, Like I'm trying to look through them all. And there's so many, my page is full. But, you know, I, I'm not sure that there were, Bad goals, but when you give out six, obviously, at this level, you you need a save somewhere along the line. The other thing, too, is, uh, you know, I just, like, look at the score sheet tonight. Like, for the Canucks, you know, it's all their top players. And for the Blues, and I know that they've transitioned away from Tarasenko and O'Reilly, but the guys that they've brought in to score goals now, yeah. you know, like, they're all over the score sheet. And Jakob Randall looks like a nice pickup for them, Uh you know, we talked about that when the Red Wings put him on waivers and people were like, this is a good hockey player, that contract, you know, and there were some issues around him as well that maybe kept some teams away. But the Blues were willing as part of their sort of retool here. Uh, I'm not sure that they have like the flat out superstar, although Kyrou and Thomas. Kyrou's, had, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, both had, they had 70 point seasons yeah. as, you know, under 25 players. Um but they've got speed. They've got some skill up front. And so this was just a night. Like, it was kind of pond hockey, wide open. And as good as the Canucks were in Dallas on Saturday, and I think we agreed that that was probably the the tightest that they have played defensively under Rick Tockett, yeah. I would say this is as loose as yeah. they have been yeah. under Rick Tockett. So easy come, easy go yeah. on this road trip. Yeah, Kapanen and Verona, I think, are uh, two decent pickups uh, for St. Louis, especially when you're when you're thinking about speed, because Kapanen's got speed for days. But uh 
yeah, maybe Verona's going to find himself a home, which would be good. I think he struggled a bit off the ice as well. So be uh, good to see him sort of rebound in his career. But you're right about the Canucks in terms of this looked like old uh, Canucks of old this year. I mean, the Brisebois, oh, no, that was a bad pass in the Ozone trying to hit J. Although I don't know why JT Miller was sort of up that high. I kind of, kind of, uh, you know, just made things a little bit cluttered there, but not a great pass by Breezeball. That was on the uh, goal that tied it up, the Torpenko goal, and then the Besser turnover in the D zone on Verona's first goal uh, to make it 3-2 St. Louis. Uh, that one wasn't uh, all that great as well. That's old Canucks of old right there, but uh, well, and, it. And keep it going because the Bushnevich goal, uh, Tyler Myers was just a bad pinch in the neutral zone. And then, again, we talk about the speed that the Blues have, and I thought that was uh, on display for much of this night. Myers gets trapped, and then the Blues were off to the races, and Captain made a nice pass to Bushnevich. So you're right. I mean, we go through all of these, and these are examples of stuff that, you know, they've done a pretty nice job of weeding out of their game over the last month, month and a half, but it kind of all came crashing back here. Uh, on them tonight. And this one just looked and felt like so many of those games that they played early in the season under Bruce Boudreaux. But uh, listen, they fought back and they're able to get the point there. So uh, I'm sure they're proud of that. Uh, I'm sure they would like to get the victory as well. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they do pick up a point. Uh, some negatives on the night. Uh, one of them I thought was just the play of Sheldon Dries and just that line right now. And Anthony Beauvillier is sort of caught in that no man's land now because he's sort of shell or, or, or next to Sheldon Dries on the wing there. And I don't know. I mean, I know that this is sort of stating the obvious, but that third three C spot, that is a glaring omission right now for the Canucks. Yeah, I didn't notice uh, Beauvillier an awful lot late in the second period. Uh, Garland had a chance. He got poke checked and the puck went to Beauvillier and he had a nice look on the backhand, but, uh, that was really kind of the only time that I, I noticed him. And you're right, uh, to go from Elias Pettersson's wing to drop yeah. further in the lineup. And it's a great promotion for Dakota Joshua, but somebody has to pay the price. And it turns out to be Anthony Beauvillier, uh, that line, that third line or fourth line, whatever it is, um, yeah, I mean, just absolutely crushed in the first period. I think the shot attempts were 10 nothing, uh, when Sheldon Dries was on the ice. And we talked about, I didn't like the first period. They gave up a lot. Uh, it seemed every time that line was on the ice, they were in defend mode and not doing a, a terrific job of it. Um, they got a little bit better as the night went along. But yes, there's no question. Third line center. Uh, as much as I like the goal total with Sheldon Dries, we've said that, uh, you know, he's not a playmaker. He's certainly not helping those guys, whether it's Garland, whether it's Beauvillier. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of puck distributing. His issue has all season been in his own zone, and and that was another case here tonight. But, you know, it's not just Sheldon Drum. It's probably not fair to pick on on him because I didn't think, like, whether it was Nils Zaman, whether it was, uh, you know, Kravtsov's back in the lineups, Janika stayed in the lineup. Kravtsov had one rush where, and it does this every night, right? We pick the one play where he, you know, come through the neutral zone with speed and pulls the puck to the middle and gets a shot away. And you're like, all right, it's there. And then, yeah, but you know what I don't like about him? I don't like his compete. It's not yeah. there. Yeah. You just, you don't see it. Like you see this flash, like you talk about, but it's the away from the puck stuff. Like he just, you don't see it. He doesn't give enough compete. Yeah. And I think maybe for a player like that, and I'm making an assumption because I don't know. 
uh, what he was like as a kid, but you know, th- maybe that skill set, being a skillful player, you know, doesn't hasn't developed that other side of his game, and he just doesn't have it right now. Right. I mean, I think you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, it, it came so easy to them mm-hmm. up until the NHL, and sure. then it's a group of the seven hundred best players in the world, and you know, if you're not going, other guys will be, and then you kind of get exposed. So yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I don't see a ton of battle for loose pucks and. There's so much more than just wheeling through the neutral zone and, you know, creating a flash once a game. Um, but, you know, what my, my point is that this was a night for the top end guys. And there was a game not that long ago where I think five, you know, depth guys scored for them, the San Jose yeah. game. Yeah. But, you know, Hughes with a pair, Kuzmenko with a pair, Besser, like those are top guys. Those are guys you expect to score. And this was a night where you could have used a little bit of support uh, from some others. Uh, it didn't happen, but uh, you know, let's let's just take a sec to appreciate Quinn Hughes. First of all, doesn't score a lot of goals. Hadn't scored since before the All Star break. In fact, the Columbus game at home, Rick Tockett's third game as head coach, was the last time Quinn Hughes has scored. And then he goes and scores a pair. He opens the scoring and he closes it uh, for the Canucks. So bookend goals for him. And every time he does things, he's just, you know, again, breaking his own records. Um, you know, his first goal, as we said, that got him to 70 points and ends up with the uh, two goals and a helper on the night. So 72 points for Quinn Hughes with eight games remaining, like 80 points, not out of the question at all. Another night where he logs a ton of ice time and would have been more if overtime had had progressed, but finishes uh, 28 minutes and 13 seconds. So, uh, you know, that's kind of par for the course for him here over the last month. And uh, certainly he can handle it, but uh, it doesn't look like they're going to back him off at all with just eight games to go. And then the other guy's Brock Besser, and we talked about him. He was my do-something candidate on our YouTube pregame show, and he did, and good for him. Like, he scored in three straight games now, but on top of that, he had a couple of helpers as well. So a a three-point night, six-point road trip for Brock Besser. And, you know, he's up to 52 points. He's four away from matching his career high. And and as much as we've talked about him so much in this market, not just us, like a pretty good chance that he is going to establish career highs for points and up to 16 goals with eight games to go, like a 20-goal season. It would be disappointing still. But it wasn't that long ago he was at a dozen and we wondered if he was going to get to 15. All of a sudden, 20 seems like it's within his grasp when you think of the opponents that are ahead, uh, the fact that he's played on the line that's been productive, he's back on the power play, all those kinds of things. I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he'll get to 20, but I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that he could get to the 20 goal mark do management change their thoughts on brock besser because of oh i I think that contract is it's just too much right like that ultimately these points and everything are you you can spin it to be like yeah you know it's he's bridging up on career highs here and you know he did perhaps might reach to 20 but you're not really feeling you know what your value is at, at that price tag right no, I mean, I, I again, like this is the thing that they haven't created the cap flexibility that they've talked about. And so uh, we're going to get back into those same old discussions once the season is yeah. done. And so, yes, like I, I, I get it. I hear you people when you're saying I can hear the ones that are saying like all of this in garbage time. Where was this earlier in the season? Fair enough. Like there isn't any yep. pressure on any of these guys. And so, you know, yes, if he sticks around. Like when Travis Green got fired, Brock Besser had four goals and that was December. And then he heated up under Bruce Boudreaux. And then, 
you know, another slow start this year. The coaching change, like they're not, I, I don't think they're going to change the coach next year. And it can't always take something that drastic to get a guy to get going in the back end of a season. So, you know, if Besser is here for training camp, like absolutely. And I'm sure we'll do the same song and dance about this is the year, but at some point, he's got to do it early in the season. That's going to put the Canucks ahead and help them win hockey games. Yeah. And, you know, rather than this whole chasing and scoring when really nothing matters, but at least for him, it's been a disappointing season. Goal scoring wise, nice deflection on the power play. He was the bumper guy. And what a, the play by Quinn Hughes. Let's just take a second there too. Yeah. I tweeted about that, but and I've said this before, like absolutely inside the blue line, those two feet inside the blue line and Robert Thomas, like he looks off Thomas and then pulls the puck. He drags it hard to the middle. Thomas expected him to play it down the wall to Pedersen. And the guy is a wizard in freeing up space and creating space for himself to make plays. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Takes the slap shot, Besser deflects it. I mean, the thing in the, the play that Hughes makes inside the blue line to me was just like chef's kiss on that goal. Quinn Hughes's last multi-goal game was February 1st of 2020 he's only got two in his career and that was long, the last long one. island right that is correct i knew you'd know that yeah, I, scored so the, I was there right he scored course. the overtime winner that day uh before we dip into the dressing room did you hear story time with cheech tonight <laughs> of course i did if it's appointment viewing now like <laughs> yes, we're, we're running out it. of opportunities and i know that he made it clear that uh, he'll still be around at times next year but no i mean if they're going to make this a feature i'm and Dan Murphy said that he hoped that there was some more opportunities ahead uh, with all due respect to whoever they put on the panel and all those types of things for home games. Like, keep it going. Like, yeah. the guy's got stories for days. You've got eight games remaining. Um, and I'm not sure he's working all of them because I think uh, there's a Hockey Night in Canada game or two uh, still to come. But uh, any games that Cheech is working down the stretch here, uh, I would make that a fixture in the second intermission. Yeah, the sandwich story with his wife <laughs> making sandwiches for him while he rode the bus in the AHL. I, it just got me thinking, like, what are on those sandwiches? Is, is it just ketchup? Ketchup sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Hey, well, we evaluate this game. I mean, let's just take a second here and look at Philip Ronick's night. It was not great. Uh, he's on the ice for three of the, the six goals that the Blues scored. He's on the ice for the Torpachenko one. I'll cut him some slack there. I mean, that was Breeze was giveaway. He was his defense partner. But we had pointed out on the pregame that he hadn't been on the ice for a five-on-five goal against in his first handful of games, three games that he had played. So uh, he was out there there. And then he was out there on that Justin Falk one, he and Quinn Hughes together. That was not a good sequence for the Vancouver Canucks. Like they had a number of opportunities to control the puck, to clear the puck. Again, just so much of this just looked like early season Canucks. And that was another one. And then, you know, Falk can shoot the puck. I think anybody that's watched the NHL know that that guy can lean in. I mean, so many guys at this level can, but, you know, he put it right in his wheelhouse and just blew it past Thatcher Demko. And, and Rodick was out there. Uh, and on the night, I just thought he, he fought the puck. Now, he made one a nice defensive play one-on-one. I think it was Kairou came down. Uh, tried to cut to the middle and and stood him up and, and positionally was sound there. Uh, but for a guy that, you know, I've heard the coach lauding his ability to break the pucks out with the quick passes and those types of things, uh, he just seemed off tonight. And, you know, for all these guys, this uh, like for the Canucks as a team, this was their ninth game in 15 nights. So if they were sluggish, you can sort of understand why. Uh, obviously, Hironic hasn't played all of those, but 
Uh, came back last Thursday against San Jose and then right out on the road. This was four games in six nights for him. And so, you know, whatever, maybe it caught up to him a little bit. Uh, hadn't played for a while. Of his four games, though, uh, I thought this was his poorest performance of the bunch. Ends up playing 23-55. So they continue to lean on him. He's getting every opportunity. Um, and there wasn't much penalty kill. I mean, there, there was just the one St. Louis power play, and it didn't last long because they scored on it. So uh, this wasn't a night where ice time totals were padded by penalty killing duty. Um, whatever the case, like he's been a nice addition, and and I, I still think he's a good player. But uh, of the four games that he's played, I didn't think this one was his best. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. A Rink-Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everybody goes to play. Let's head into the dressing room, hear from the head coach and Quinn Hughes tonight. Head coach didn't like the way his team started. Yeah, a couple of lines were very loose. You know, um, you know, yeah, we we were doing some uncharacteristic thing. Not a lot of, you know, we played a little light tonight. Some guys, and uh, we, you know, we weren't stopping, stop, uh, starting on pucks. Three and four, that's when you need your bottom six to really help you, you know, in your own end, win battles. And I thought uh, we were in our end a little too much. A couple of our bottom six were in our end a little too much. The bottom six is like, well, what about the San Jose game? Like, <laughs> come on, coach. I, I think he's right, though. I mean, yeah, he makes a good no. point there. Yeah, and uh, again, we said this looked a lot like early season. He wasn't around, but remember when he took over right out of that All-Star break, the games in New Jersey and against the Rangers, and he kept talking about, you know, north-south and on your toes and board battles, and that's kind of where we first really heard. Because, I mean, he won two of the first three um, before the All-Star break, right after he took over, but they were against Chicago and Columbus, and they got smoked by Seattle, and it was sort of hard to get a read, and then they made the Horvat trade. But I remember coming out of the All-Star break, a lot of those post-games, uh, you know, he was saying those same sorts of things. And I would agree with him. I and mean, we talked about that. The top-end guys came through. You can't expect bottom six scoring every night, but, I mean, they got two goals from a defenseman, and that's something that they really haven't been getting much of uh, of late as well. So, yeah, this wasn't a great night for a lot of guys, and yet top-end talent is enough to get them to overtime. Uh, ultimately, they fall a goal short. One of those guys who used to be one of the depth players, bottom six guys, was Dakota Joshua, elevated to the top line. Head coach was asked what he thought of his game tonight. I, I didn't mind him. Like, he uh, he has a presence. Even the six on five, just him being around the net. Um, you know, him and Giuseppe are giving us that kind of big body guy. Um, and uh, they win some battles for us most nights. Who gets it right first? Dolly Waller talking. <laughs> 
Well, he forgot PDG. The, that's the way you get around it. And he go, forgot the D, though, right? Or yeah, he just Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, he's, you know, we've talked about this. He sees a lot of Dakota Joshua in himself and honestly on Giuseppe there as well. Um, you know, you notice that he started him in overtime as well. And I, that's what the second time we've seen that as of recent that PDG's gotten a start in overtime. Like, you know, there's something about. It must be either his compete, his speed, something that the coach likes uh, in terms of I, it must be a puck possession thing. Like, you know, get in, get the puck in, and then get off or something like that. And that's what makes me wonder, what is this offseason going to look like? What is he going to go to management? And like, what's going to be on his wish list? Because I get the sense, if he has any say, that he wants even more big bodies that, you know, he, obviously Quinn Hughes is Quinn Hughes. He, Quinn Hughes isn't going anywhere. Rick Tockett loves everything that Quinn Hughes brings, but I don't think he wants a bunch of other Quinn Hughes light defensemen. Like, I think he wants them to bulk up on the back end. And I also wonder, too, like, if you're Connor Garland, and I know that uh, you worked with Connor Garland in Arizona, but if they're looking at expendable pieces, uh, you know, does Connor Garland sort of fit the criteria of what Rick Tockett is looking for in the lineup that, that he wants to move forward with here? So, um, you know, I, my sense is that if he has his way, the Canucks are going to be a bigger, stronger, more physical team, probably up front and on the back end next season. Yeah, kind of weird, though, because when you that might make some Canuck fans cringe, sort of thinking back to the Jim Benning days, right? No, meat and potatoes. and yeah. yeah, no more soft scale. Yeah. All right. Uh, Quinn Hughes uh, talking about how his team, you know, they just didn't want to lose. They were fighting tonight to stay in it. You know, some of the guys in here really don't want to lose. And um you know, we're just really pushing the pace, and you see Pete and Coos making plays, and Melzi and Brock and these guys, and thought uh, Ronick and Mizey were pushing, and all of our D, and um, you know, left uh, Demer out to dry a bit in the first and second, but um, you know, we pushed in the third. Yeah. When I think about this off season and just all the guys that he rattled off there are basically the core players, right? Yep. Those guys were the yep. guys that stepped up tonight. And I was listening to a national podcast today, and they were talking a bit about the Vancouver Canucks. And they mentioned the fact that JT Miller still might be a candidate uh, to get moved in this offseason. I I just don't know if that's going to, I just don't see it happening now. Like, I think he's going to be a pivotal part of what they're trying to do here. Yeah. And another two point night for him. I know it was sort of quiet because there were other guys that were front and center, but you know, he's quietly going about his business here and just picking up points. And it seems every night that he gets one, he gets two. Uh, and that's certainly been the trend for JT Miller for a while now. Uh, the other thing is, let's take a moment to appreciate the back check on Sammy Blay in a two-all tie. And like I, I sort of say it in jest because at the outset of the season, the idea of us singling out JT Miller for a back check would have been ludicrous, right? Like, we just wouldn't have done it because it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. I know, again, the stakes aren't high here, but in a two-all tie... Like he busted his ass to get back and made a terrific defensive play. And so you just say like, Hey, it can be done more of that, you know, continue to do that kind of stuff because that will get the fans on board. Like we know that he's productive. He plays a lot in all situations. He's going to produce, but it was his play in his own zone, you know, his give and meter at times, but you see something like that and you think, all right, like if you can hit the ground running next season, 
and it's not going to present itself every single game, but in those moments, like you want to think and believe that JT Miller is going to be able to make those kinds of defensive plays, and he certainly did there. So uh, credit where it's due, because it was a nice defensive play and steal to thwart a scoring chance and turn the puck back up ice. And I think you talk about a wish list for Rick Tockett. I think JT Miller is going to be on that wish list. I, I'm doubting very much that he will be going anywhere this offseason. Yeah, it just, again, my head can't, like, I can't wrap my head around the notion of the Canucks making the strides to be a playoff competitive type team and having traded Bo Horvat and then moving off JT Miller as well. Like, And that's not knowing what you'd get in return, but uh, it just feels to me like, I mean, we know that there just isn't a, a, enough in the system at center ice uh, behind him to to drive play and, and be a, a legitimate scoring threat that, um, yeah, maybe they want to get younger NHL-ready guys, but I, I'm with you. Like I, I just think Rick Tockett and JT Miller seem to be in lockstep here, and I just I can't imagine that JT Miller won't be part of this team in the fall. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Okay, time now for my Bodog best bet. Feeling good about this one because I hit it again. Anytime goal score, Andre Kuzmenko at plus 150. Of course, he hit the back of the net twice. If you watched our pregame show, uh, you would have known about this bet, obviously, but you also would have known that I uh, stated that he had one goal in his last six games, and you know Kuzmenko. He ain't going to go that long without scoring. Uh, So he finds the back of the net twice tonight. Uh, Felt like an easy one tonight, a tap-in. Kuzmenko style, if mm-hmm. you will, and uh, another win for me. So hopefully you made that bet yourself. Andre Kuzmenko, back of the net twice today. All right. Game and a hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway in Langley. I want to kick it off with this one here because I love this. Uh, there's two from Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen, but I'm only going to give one because this one's the best one. Hashtag Deuce Menko. <laughs> loving that nice. uh, johnny canuck with the hashtag thank you very much we've seen that one a few times now jack says hashtag of course a three-pointer yep uh strong belly says hashtag slippery out there ashley says hashtag huggy bear Nuckenfutz says hashtag perfect outcome our buddy andy didn't put it in a hashtag but he just said i only watch this for story time with cheech <laughs> probably not alone <laughs> Soapbox says hashtag Quinn Petermenko. And uh, hey, it's back. Hashtag sell the team. That one's from Ty. Haven't heard that one in a while. No. Fans are uh, liking what they're seeing right now. Uh, ask J Pats. Um, Strong Belly wants to know do you, did Joshua do enough to earn another start on that line? I think we batted that around. I, I'm in agreement with that. I, I believe you are as well. Yeah. I, I think, like, on merit, just on his performance of late but also the fact that Beauvillier has just gotten a little bit quiet. And so the timing seems right. Like, you know, I think Beauvillier is going to have to step things up if he wants to get back. And we talked about, like, what a soft landing spot 
you know, after the trade to get placed on that line with Elias Patterson. And early on, he produced, he held up his own, but uh, his production has waned here. And so I have no issues whatsoever. Tockett wants big bodies that can get in on the four check, turn pucks over and get them to Elias Patterson so he can go to work. So, yeah, I would think that you will probably see Dakota Joshua, uh, despite the fact that the Canucks didn't win the hockey game. I think Dakota Joshua did enough in the late game situation, uh, probably an indication that the coach was happy enough with him. So we'll probably see him on Friday uh, on that line against the Calgary Flames. I know I had some people on social asking me, like, why did Aiden McDonough come out of the lineup? Like, didn't he do enough in his NHL debut? I'm not surprised that he came out of the lineup. I don't think the plan was ever for this guy to play and then not come out. Like, I think he'll get some games here on the homestand. But my hunch is that, you know, they'll bring him along slowly, give him a taste of the NHL, let him watch some games, let him play some games. And also, if he's playing, it means somebody else is sitting. And I think Rick Tockett is far more concerned with legitimate NHL guys for next season. Like, I, I think Abe McDonough probably start unless he blows them away at training camp. I think McDonough is likely to start next year in the A. Uh, and I think Rick Tockett, you know, he wants to continue to get a long look at some of these players that he thinks might have a shot at being here, whether that's a Studnika or whether it's a, a Kravtsov. And we don't know about facility pod goals, but he's played, missed the last two games now. Let's hope that, uh, you know, it's not a serious injury and that uh, maybe as early as Friday, he's an option for them as well. But, uh, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over the fact that Aiden McDonough didn't get in the lineup. And the other roster note was that Jack Rathbone, once Guillaume Breezeball was declared healthy and fit, uh, he had to play because Rathbone was up on an emergency basis. So uh, he is on his way back to Abbotsford. Kratzoff, you think he's in the lineup on Friday? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he hasn't done enough to cement his spot. And so if they wanted to put McDonough in, you know, his first home game, then certainly I think Kravtsov would be a candidate to come out of the line. Yeah, I guess it depends on what uh, Pat Colson's injury is as well. And uh, yeah, and also too, like wonder if Sheldon Drys perhaps uh, finds himself up in the press box one night. You know, maybe maybe you shift Stadnika over into center for for uh, for a game. Well, I'm gonna maybe not on the three C though. We'll have to see uh, exactly what they do. Uh, with that, uh, we got another one. This one's from Nuck and Futz, who says, "Do you think Koozie matches?" Uh, this goal scoring slash point total playing with anyone other than Petey goes on to say, how much of this point total do you think he owes to Petey? They've been a great fit. I, I think all goal scorers need a terrific center, and Elias Pettersson is that. The point streak extended to 13. He's up to 95 points, and this is setting up beautifully with a five-game homestand now. Uh, he's given himself a cushion to get to 100 points, eight games remaining, but I said this on an earlier rink-wide I want him to do it at home because if it happens in those final three games of the year, all out on the road, it happens. But then he just kind of, you know, heads off for the summer. I think it would be a cool moment at Rogers Arena if he could get to 100 points and then celebrate with the fans in attendance. So I really hope that it does happen here on this season-ending five-game homestand. Uh, but, you know, would he? It, would Kudvenko have had the season he had if he'd played with JT Miller all year? No, I don't think so. And that's not a knock on Miller. I just think that... Uh, Pedersen and Kuzmenko forged chemistry at training camp in Whistler through the preseason, hit the ground running. Mikheyev was on that line for a while. Uh, obviously, he got hurt in the preseason. But, uh, you know, I mean, whoever has played with Elias Pedersen has got the PD bump this year. And now Dakota Joshua is the, the latest guy. But that is the prime position. Like, that's where you, if you're on the Vancouver Canucks, that's where you want to be playing. And Kuzmenko and Pedersen, uh, you know, for most of this season have been together 
And that chemistry has just grown. And that goal tonight that we talked about earlier uh, was an indication. I mean, there've been a lot of pretty plays between those two, but I think that one is on a short list of, you know, the the best indication that, you know, they just know where they're going to be on the ice and, and Patterson's got the skill set and Kuzmenko's got the finish and uh, it has worked out beautifully and, He's under contract for a couple more years, so I think we're going to see these two make some more sweet music for uh, a couple of seasons to come. Again, that value on that contract. I mean, right now, what he's getting paid, it's ridiculous. Uh, um, You know, per goal, what the Canucks have to pay. I think it's something like $20,000 per goal, (laughs) something like that. I saw a, a stat of that the other day. But not only that, once even he hits five and a half, I mean, if you're getting close to 40 goals from a guy making five and a half million dollars, like you're doing all right there. And all, one of the things, too, that, that you keep in mind, like when Kuzmenko got that demotion recently, like he chipped in still. Right. Um, but of course, he's going to get more points playing alongside someone like Elias Patterson. Anyone will. It is like and I've seen so much made of it. And I hear people like he's not going to be a 30 percent shooter for no. his career like it just yeah. it's not but but he is different because he doesn't waste shots like i i do think he has the potential to have a really high shooting percentage just because so much of that blue paint stuff like so many of his goals are from a foot out on you know like you can't miss from there it's like a guy that scores all of his you know baskets in basketball on layups or dunks like you know those are high percentage shots and and this guy doesn't waste shots so uh, his ratio of goals to the shots that he takes, I, I just kind of get the sense that it's always going to run high, but right now it's historically high. Like, it, it, it just, it is. But then, the, like tonight, he scores two goals on three shots, so the shooting percentage goes, goes, like, it's showing no signs of regressing, but I do think over the long haul, he can't keep this up. So, you know, will all of these things go in for him next year? I don't know. Like, I mean, every year's different. We know that, but, you know... It, if he plays with Pedersen and he's on the power play, then it stands to reason that, uh, yeah, he's going to back up next this year with another pretty damn solid goal-scoring season next year. So he's like Shaq, basically. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Like Dunks Shaq. and layups. The, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, the similarities are incredible. <laughs> like if you, you know, side by side, I'd have trouble telling the two of them apart, I think. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Kuzmenko did something in this game, so perhaps he is your did something candidate tonight, which is presented by Jason Hominick, a Jason Dot Mortgage. Uh, he did. He scored twice. Uh, but I'm going to go with the guy that scored the buzzer beater. He scored the buzzer beater last time the Canucks were in St. Louis. This time around, it was Quinn Hughes. Two goals for him. As we said, he doesn't score a lot, but uh, takes his goal total from five to seven. Uh, but it's the point total that uh, we continue to marvel at with Quinn Hughes. And so uh, he's now up to 72 points on the season, eight games to go, uh, a legitimate shot at an 80-point season. As an NHL defenseman, set his own record last year for the franchise at 68, and every point he gets just uh, continues to rewrite the record book. So uh, another big night for Quinn Hughes, uh, two goals and a helper, got the Canucks to overtime. Unfortunately, he blew a tire uh, in OT and then headed to the bench and was not on the ice when Jakob Rana scored the winner just 21 seconds after the opening faceoff. But Quinn Hughes is my did-something guy tonight. Unfortunately for him and his hockey club, this looked a little too much like Bruce Boudreau hockey. So the hashtag to get in on the $25 to Dutch gift card is early season Canucks. Hashtag early season Canucks. Did something always a presentation of our mortgage broker friend, Jason Hominick. Not sure what's happening with rates and home prices. Well, trust me, you are not alone. This is why 
if you have a mortgage already, or if you're thinking about buying, you need to have an expert plan in place. And that's where Jason Hominick comes in, 25 plus years of experience, and he wants to put that to work for you. So reach out to him. Uh, all of his contact information on his website, easy to use, easy to remember, jason.mortgage. Send the hashtag early season Canucks into the Go Goat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. And that'll get you into that draw that J-Pat was talking about. The $25 to BC's best breakfast. Check them out at the Dutch.com. Quinn Hughes, highest point total in his career, a single season. Where do you think he gets? What, what would you set the line at? Well, I mean, I, I want to see him push 80 here this year. So can he get to 80 points as a defenseman? I mean, he's going to come close. Uh, certainly 75 seems like a natch. I, I think ultimately he'll end up somewhere between 75 and 80 this year. But is that where he's going to top out in his career? He's 23 years old. Like, he's getting better. Right. And again, this power play has ebbed and flowed. Like, I think if they could be a top five power play, they would all uh, feast on the, the power play. So I, I'm not going to bet against him. I, I, I just think goals are up around the NHL. If that trend continues, if he continues to develop, if Elias Pettersson and Kuzmenko and Miller, you know, have a few more good seasons in them. Uh, yeah, I, I think 80 is possibility. I think 80 plus for Quinn Hughes. So somewhere in his career, I think he gets to the 80 point mark. I am going to say 89 and a half. Oh, yeah, I, I think he just the one outlier season. I but I I'm with you though in terms of like he's going to be steady 75 to 85. I think every season. But I think he's going to have that one year where he might crest the 90 point. I mark. just wonder again. He's at seven goals. I I think any defenseman like look at Eric Carlson. True, he's got that, 22. I think Roman Yossi when he had his 96. I yes. think he had 22 or 23. I think that probably limits him a little bit unless. You know, maybe he goes to the fountain of goal scoring and, and one season, maybe he's a 15 goal scorer somewhere along the line. Who knows? Could you not see Quinn Hughes going into this offseason going, you know what? I got to get my goal totals up and then next year scoring 15. I could see it. Like, well, it's the same thing with the plus minus when he got all pissy about that, came back and improved it. Yeah. And I look at his first goal tonight. I mean, the second one, good faceoff win for the Canucks extra attacker bodies in front. Like, you know, if you can get a shot through that maze, yeah, you're bound to get a few. But I like the first goal. You know, he leads the rush, and then he dishes the puck, but then he goes to the net, and uh, Besser with the shot, the rebound, you know, sharp angle, but he's got the hands. He makes the play there. Like PDG, he kind of had to hop uh, to make sure that he got out of the way of the Hughes shot. But but I think that's how Quinn Hughes is going to score his goals. He doesn't have the cannon from the point, but I think he can be that guy that jumps up into the rush, gives the Canucks an, you know, an outman situation, an extra layer, be the trailer on a play, whatever, and he's got such good offensive instincts that anywhere close to the net, I, I do think that he can be a threat. So, yeah, I think what you said is probably true, that he strikes me as the kind of guy that'll, you know, sit back and really give this season a think, what worked for him, what didn't work for him. And he is so focused and driven. And he he hears. He's one of those guys that does oh, yes. hears the criticism. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we yeah. saw that. I mean, there was a little mini outburst on the last homestand about people that don't think he can defend. So, yeah, I, my, my hunch is that, yes, he'll take that all to heart and maybe we come back and see him. Uh, you know, at the very least, get to double digits next season. All right. So you can come back and see us this week because we're going to be busy, of course. Uh, we got we're running out of games here, though. We are. We There's are. Only eight to go. Five on the homestand and then three uh, back out on the road to, to finish up the season. So we'll finish up strong. We'll see if the Canucks do as well. But 
time is ticking on the end of this uh, this hockey season. Now, there'll be the end of the Canucks season, but of course, sure. we'll we'll keep going on and we'll be with you throughout the playoffs and right up until a free agency and all of that. And we'll, of course, we'll have the YouTube channel cooking. We'll have content for you. Oh, yeah. But coming up, though, we've got Friday night. I, I'm looking forward to Friday's game myself. You know, the Flames getting themselves a big victory tonight uh, over the Kings. They are fighting for their playoff lives. Canucks can play spoiler. The way the Canucks are playing right now, yeah, you know, you might want to put a few shekels down on the, the home team against the Flames. So that'll be a good one. And then, of course, on Sunday, uh, they'll be facing off against the Kings as well. We'll have pregame. We'll have postgame. We'll do every game here on Rinkwide Vancouver. And just a reminder, too, of the pregame shows. If you haven't subscribed to the uh, YouTube page, that would do us a lot of favors, guys. If you just did that, maybe hit a like on the, the videos as well. We appreciate everybody that has supported uh, the pregames and, of course, the postgames that we do here. Love talk lock, talking. <laughs> Canucks hockey. All right, uh, a loss tonight, but uh, listen, they can sort of hang their heads high on this road trip because they able to take two of three, but tonight they lose 6-5 in OT to the St. Louis Blues. It's been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always goes.